Well, we continue our study in Matthew. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We have journeyed now for several months in our study on the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the Lord prompted us in this church to do the Gospel of Matthew because we want to go further with the Lord in our discipleship journey. We have to go deeper, we have to go further, and that's why the theme of this church this year is Together We Follow Jesus. All right? So I've entitled my, my sermon today From Entry Point to Final Destiny. Why? Because this is the close of the Sermon on the Mount. We all know that the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest and the most complete sermon on record in the Bible of any teaching of Jesus. And it's the most preached and most studied sermon of the Lord. There are five blocks of teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. And we know, and I said this before as we introduce Matthew, that Matthew is actually a manual of discipleship. A manual of discipleship. That's why at the end of Matthew, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've... So in other words, what is Everything everything that precedes Matthew 28. So whatever precedes Matthew 28 is a manual of discipleship, and that is the reason why we are studying Matthew, because you and I, in this church, wants to go further, deeper, and higher with the Lord. So let me read as Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 29, as Jesus closed the Sermon on the Mount in this way. Let's read together, all right? Let's all read together, left to right, front to back, top to bottom, read loud, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. Through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. For false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Verse 18. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Verse 21. One, two, three. Will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. 
because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Discipleship is a journey. So is leadership. Leadership is also a journey. Eh? So I, I'm going to give you a, 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 another commercial. All right. Because discipleship is a journey, there is an entry point. There is a start to a journey. So I'm going to divide my, the sermon that the Lord has given to me today in three subheadings. The entry point, the starting block, the beginning of the journey, then the journey itself, and then finally the destination, or what I call the final destiny. From entry point to final destiny, that's how Jesus closed the Sermon on the Mount, and all of this tie up together as one common thread. Let me elaborate. Let me begin with the entry point. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but many, but, uh, many enter through it, and small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, only a few find it. In each of these phases, whether it be the entry point or the journey itself or the final destiny, the Lord gives two choices. You either choose this or you choose this. So you ask me, Pastor, why only two? Huh? Why not multiple choices? Because we are so used to answering multiple choice questions, whether it, in the exams or what. Why not all of the above? No. Why? Does the Lord only give two choices? Because you and I, if we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, it really depends on you. You decide. You take the responsibility, not your spouse, not your pastor, not your cell leader. You take the responsibility, only two choices. Clearly, at the entry point, the two choices is either the narrow gate or the broad gate. You either enter through the narrow gate where few find it, or you enter through the broad gate where everybody goes through that because it's easy, ma. And as you enter into the narrow gate, there are only two roads. The narrow gate leads to the narrow road or the narrow street. <laughs> Praise the Lord for narrow street, which is the name of our youth ministry. Come on, let's give God a clap offering for our young people. They understand theology, you see. So they call their, their ministry narrow street. Why? Because this is a road our young people choose to walk in the narrow road, but there's also the broad way. The broad way. 
the way of the spectacle, the way of the popular, the way where everybody goes into the way the rah rah thing. Whoa! But, but here's the difference: the white gate. Picture a huge portal, a huge doorway like the stadium. Everybody enters in, hundreds and hundreds enter the stadium to watch a football match. But then as they zero in and narrow in, they go to the turnstile. Remember the turnstile? One by one, and this is where the counting begins. So what's the difference? The white gate, according to the Bible, many enter it. According to the Bible, many find it. Why? Because it's popular. Ma. Everybody It's an easy one. No inconveniences, no excess baggage to offload. Why? Because you can enter it, it's wide. Ma. And then, of course, no limitations. Not so restrictive compared to the narrow gate. One by one, you go in. Few find it. And guess what? It is restrictive. You cannot carry excess luggage. Because it's narrow, you see? So you may have to offload your pride, offload your unforgiveness, offload your hatred, offload every excess baggage. Hey, that's what it is. And in olden days, not only is the gate narrow, but it's also low. So you have to bow down sometimes to enter in, whereas the broad one enters straight in with your head held high, with all your pride and your arrogance. Difference is this, the white gate ends the destruction. Narrow gate, ends in life. Hey, not my words. It's what Jesus says. I'm going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. What is the narrow gate? Jesus. Jesus says, now read this with me. Can you read it with me? All right, everybody read Scripture. Probably for many of you, this is the only time you read Scripture. Okay, let's read. Is it okay with you? Left to right, front to back, top to bottom, read out loud what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9. Are you ready? Jesus says, one, two, three. Will be saved. Jesus says, one, two, three. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me the way. So Jesus says very clearly, He is the door. He is the gate. So we enter into our salvation and our discipleship journey as the entry point through Jesus. I am the gate. No one, everyone that enters through me will be saved. How clear can you get? And after entering in through the gate, He is the way. He will then lead us to the Father. No one comes to the Father but through me. Correct or not? So I want to take it that most of us, if not majority of us, 90% of us here, have entered in through that narrow gate. Just in case there are some of you who have not yet entered through the narrow gate, can I encourage you? Somewhere along the line, may even be today, open your heart to Jesus. Last week, we had our Father's Day. It was packed out. We had 4,000 over people in all the four services. Many of you were fathers. And I told you, if you are here for the first time, don't make it the last time. Come with your family because there's no greater joy 
Then the whole family worshipping God together. Three generations. Grandfather, father, son or daughter. Do you think so? Some of you, great-grandfather. So if you are here again, can I encourage you? Enter in through the gate. Enter in through the gate. And God has been very, very gracious and, and to us in this church. Join in to, together with those who have already entered into the gate in the first five months of this year. From January to May this year, we have had 155 salvations so far and 139 of them were baptized so far. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. This is a favour of God, understand? We don't take it lightly. Every single spiritual child that is birthed in this church, we follow it very diligently. But enter into the gate. But here, here wins, herein where the journey begins. After entering into the gate, our discipleship journey begins. So how do we go through our discipleship journey? Well, it tells us, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 23, Jesus now tells you and I, as you walk through the journey, and this now applies to almost every one of us here, what is expected of us? How do you and I know that we are journeying and growing in our discipleship journey and truly following Jesus? How do we know? As I said to you before, when we did the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning, the whole chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 is not only to tell us as a Christian to die right, go to heaven, but also to live right. The whole of the Sermon on the Mount is for us to live right. That's why it begins with blessedness. Blessed are you. It's a Christian counterculture. It's not what the world expects us, but it's what Jesus wants us to live. And so as we move into this discipleship journey, the question I want to ask, what is Jesus looking for as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I just put it to you very plain. Let's read first. All right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 23 now. We read it again earlier. But let me highlight this one word that keeps popping out again and again and again. It's the word fruit. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you recognize them. Every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that is good fruit, 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 fruit. Everything is fruit. So clearly, if you, are a, if you and I are good Bible students, what is the key thing that Jesus Christ is looking for for you in your life, in my life, as a disciple of Jesus Christ? What is the word? Fruit. Very good. Fruit. And not any kind of fruit. Good fruit. Good fruit. Everybody say good fruit. One more time, good fruit. But then I, I look at, so this is, this is my premise. Let me put it to you first. The whole purpose to Juan, the whole 
aim of your journey and my journey, after entering into the narrow gate as a Christian, Jesus is the gate, is bear fruit. And not any kind of fruit. Fruit in accordance with the will of God. Ha, ah, Pastor, is there a stipulation to it? Yes. Why? Because you can bear any kind of fruit, including bad fruits. So, so this is the premise. So I put it up to you and I will repeat it again. All right? The whole of that portion of scripture is summarized by this one sentence. Come, read it with me. Come on, church. Read it with me so that you can get what the Bible says. I am just trying my utmost best to unpackage it for you. Is it okay with you? All right. Let's read what the Lord expects you and I as a disciple of Jesus Christ to produce after entering in through the door of Jesus Christ, after we are saved. Come on, let's read. Are you ready? One, two, three. The purpose... Can you read out loud, loud with me? Come on, there's more than... Read out loud. It's okay with you? All right. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's to produce in accordance with God's will for our lives. Where did I get that from? Let me unpackage it for you. This portion of scripture begins with, watch out for false prophets. Ah, pastor. My ex-pastor like that. I know of that man of God. False prophet. Listen. As I look at this scripture, it doesn't only applies to them. Why? Because Jesus says this. Oh, but it just moves his sheep clothing. I Google, I got a picture of it. Hey, I hope there's none of us here here like that, huh? But this doesn't only apply to your, 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 the pastor, this pastor, that, that man of God, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, it applies to every one of us. Why? Because Jesus says, not every one of you who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, and this is very generic. Pastor, I thought that every person who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. First John chapter 4, verse 2. Nobody calls Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. I don't want to be drawn in the controversy. I really don't want to be drawn, but I have my own views. But I want to be positive. Who is the one who enters the kingdom of heaven? Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I don't want to be drawn in this controversy, all right? So don't throw stones at me. You want to know how I feel, what my belief system is, you come to talk to me personally. But the fact remains that it applies to everyone. Not only to the prophet. The key is this. 
Are you producing good fruit in your life? After you become a Christian, in accordance with the will of God for you. Are you wasting your life away? Forget about all those controversial points. Let's not get distracted or derailed. Let's ask ourselves this fundamental question in our discipleship journey with Him. Are you and I producing good fruits? Because this is what Jesus is looking for in our discipleship journey before we reach the final destination in accordance with His will. So again, you have two choices. Either you are a good tree producing good fruit and Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. For when you do that, we produce good fruit. Abide in the Lord means continue to stay in the Lord, to draw sustenance from the source. Continue, abide in the Lord. Or are you a bad tree that produces bad fruit? You decide. But what really stunned me was the term evildoer. When I saw that, I said, Lord, we are not evildoers. We don't do evil things. And I began to find out what the word evildoer is. And the best translation is the new, it's NLT. The most accurate translation is it, when evildoers are those who do things which were unauthorized. NASB says these are the people who are lawless. In other words, they don't follow what the Lord authorized them to do. It is not evil, evil, but those people that do things which were unauthorized by God. In other words, it is outside the will of God. You did it by your own strength. That's why. Hey, but pastor, God miracles. Demons come out. It's not because of you, no. It's because of the name of Jesus, you know. So don't you ever take the glory. Don't you ever usurp the glory of God. It's not you. Ha, ah, you think it's me? No. It is the power of the name of Jesus, but you took all the glory. And you did whatever you did, unauthorized, outside the will of God. Bad fruit. Bad fruit. So my encouragement for you is, live according to the will Ask him. Intentionally, deliberately, as you and I go through our work life, our career path, our ministry, constantly ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Is this in accordance with your will or is it not accordance with your will? Because only whatever is done in accordance with the will of God is fruit that will last. Everything will be destroyed. Wow! That's why Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Wow. So my encouragement to you and to you, to me, is this. Whatever that we do in our discipleship journey, are we producing good fruits in accordance with the will of God for our life? You think, Lord? told you, uh, it's not how to die right, uh, how to live right. Uh. Correct or not? It's not how great you are. No. So I want you today assess where you are. The more I study scripture, the more I begin to understand that fruitfulness in our life is very, very important to Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, if I look at this portion of Scripture, if this is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount, it has to be important, do you think so? So, if I will be honest with myself and honest with you, and if you are to be honest with yourself in accordance with what Jesus says, it is very clear that the fundamental thing, one thing that Jesus Christ is looking for in your discipleship journey, having secured your, your, your salvation, is what are you doing with your life? Your opportunities, your talents, your time, Everything. Why? Because fruitfulness, everybody say fruitfulness. One more time, fruitfulness. Don't just wait to die. Don't just squander your life away. I was coming back from SMCC and in the car. Pastor Dijun said to me, darling, one word just came to me. Missed opportunities. You miss it. Businessmen will tell you what it is, right? You miss the opportunity to make a big deal. You miss the opportunity to make money. What about making missed opportunities for eternal value? How many of us miss opportunities? And we spend our life chasing other shadows. The more I study fruitfulness, the more I understand it means three things. Souls of men. That's fruitful. Jesus says, you did not choose me. John chapter 5, 15 verse 6. 
but I chose you, or 16, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what will last? Souls of men. I'm, I'm not even asking you to, to witness. Uh, what about building up, encouraging people in the house of God? Everything you do to the fellowship of the saints lasts for eternity. Every soul you witness to, you may not be able to reap the harvest, but at least you sow. Others will reap, but it doesn't matter. Everything will pass away, but the souls of men will never pass away. That's a very good eternal investment. Don't you think so? Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness to the poor, to the marginalized. Very important. Whatever you do to encourage the saints, a word, a comfort, like what we do today. For Susanna, it matters. Don't you think, don't you think it matters? Yeah. Look for opportunities to do that. No need any trumpeting or fan-fan. No need one. You do it as unto the Lord. Ah, but then you say to me, Pastor, Pastor, hey, huh, I, I come from a brethren background. I do come from a brethren background. Hey, all this is not important. It is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, okay, don't argue with me. I agree, fruit of the Spirit. Then do it lah. It's not either or. Maybe it's both. Why debate with me? So what is fruit of spirit? Love, joy, peace? Faithfulness, kindness, goodness, self-control. So exercise all these. Lah. As we do acts of kindness, do it gently. Do it with faithfully. Do it in love. So if I look at all these three things, I ask you, friend, where do you stand? Miss opportunities? How you use your time, your resources? Because it matters. I just put down five references for fruitfulness for your further study. You go and check me out in the Bible that the theme and the motif of fruitfulness is very, very frequently and very consistent in Jesus' teaching and in his own life. All right? John chapter 15, the entire chapter is on fruitfulness. Look at it. This is what Jesus says. So let's not take what Jesus says selectively in our piecemeal. Don't you think so? If it is important to the Lord to spend an almost entire chapter on fruitfulness, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And then he goes on to say, you didn't choose me. I chose you in order that you go to bear fruit, fruit that will last. That is the KPI. That is the aim of our discipleship journey. Do it now. Luke 13 is a very, very strange portion of Scripture. Jesus told this parable of the one fig tree 
in a vineyard. Hey, what is a fig tree doing in a vineyard? I thought vineyards are for, for, for growing grapes. Ha, huh. one fig tree. And both figs and vines are symbols of Christians, of the church and for Israel. But that one single fig tree means that that is a very unique thing, right? But it's still within the, the household of God, ma. So you are a fig tree. Why? Because you are unique. There is nobody in the entire world like you one. Both in your thumbprint, both in your DNA, correct or not? You are so unique. Even your, 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 your whatever it is, your facial features nowadays, they, they check your facial features. You are the fig tree. That one fig tree in the vineyard. Why? Because you stand out. But Jesus said this parable. The landlord came looking for what? Fruit. Fruit from the fig tree. No fruit. And so the landlord says, cut it down. Huh? The farmer says, no, 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 please, sir, please, give me one more year. Who's the farmer? Jesus. I'll water it. I will get Pastor Chu to give you wonderful sermons. I will do Timothy program with you. I will, I will, I will do whatever it is, water it, fertilize it. Why? What? One purpose. Bear fruit. One more year. If no fruit, cut it down. Look, I, I don't want to elaborate on it too much. I think you get the message. One single thing. God is looking in your life and in my life is to bear fruit. Souls of men, acts of kindness, building God's house and all the fruits of the Spirit in your life so that you and I can become more and more Christ-like. Coming back to this, the last tree, Mark 11, the fig tree, Jesus cursed the fig tree because there's no fruits. Of all the four last parables of Jesus in Matthew 24, 25, look at it, check me out, 23, 24. Of all the last four parables, three of them has to do with multiplication, your talents, serving the ones in prison, giving cold water, the goats and the sheep. The, 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 the servant whose, whose master was away, and when the master comes back, he didn't find him being lazy. Out of three last parables, one, I think it may not apply to the to, to servant. He talks about the, 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 the ten virgins. Let's say that that is not included in, 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 sustain, in sustainability or whatever it is. The other three, it has to do with fruitfulness. What on earth are you doing with what God has given to you? But what stunned me was the last part. I began to look at the first time the word blessed is used ever in the Bible. How many of you want to be blessed? Give me, give me a hand. You want to be blessed, right? The law of first mention. Genesis 1.28 God then said to Adam 
God blessed Adam. How did he bless Adam? What did God say to him? Be fruitful. Hey, the Bible is very consistent from Genesis to Revelations. The key is this. Will you obey? And this is where the rubber hits the road. The fundamental difference, how we end, is in obedience. Come read this with me. John 15, verse 16. Everybody left to right, front to bottom, from to front to back, top to bottom. Are you ready? One, two, three. You did not choose me. One more time. One, two, three. So what is fruit that will last? Well, then Jesus now, as he closes the mother of the mount, gives two more choices. How you build. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. All right, we don't need to read this, okay? Here is my point. How are you building your life? Are you a wise builder? Or are you a foolish one? But you say to me, Pastor, I'm so clever. I'm so successful in my business, man. I'm so intelligent. Princeton, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge. Eight A's, ten A's, no problem. We are not talking about intelligence here, right? We are talking about whether you're wise or foolish. Because you can be very intelligent. You can be a very intelligent fool. Why? Because you make foolish decisions. You can be very bright, but you are actually foolish. So the question is, are you wise or are you foolish? Let's look at the two. There are similarities. Both have the same opportunities. I told you missed opportunities, right? I shared with you missed opportunities. In other words, both also had the same opportunities. Both also rich. You think you're the only one who was rich? Both also served God. Both also had the same materials, the same opportunities, the same time, same effort, same storm. And both heard the word of God like today. It's not that you don't know, you know. Everybody had the same level playing field. The difference is this. The one who built to last obeyed. It is not hearing the word of God. It is what do you do with the word of God that has been delivered to you. The foundation of solid rock is obedience to the word. That's the key. 
All things said and done, let's not, let's not get distracted by the storm. Let's not be distracted by the, 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 the material or the house. No, it is whether you obey those who hear and do it. You can hear and attend a thousand conferences, but if you don't do it, you are foolish because you're now building on sinking sand. It's the broad way. Two results. The one who built his house upon the rock and obeyed, house stood firm, lasted for eternity. The one who built his house upon the sand collapsed with a great crash. And, and when I read this, the Spirit of the Lord then prompted me. He says, Wing Chi, look at how many times Jesus alluded to destruction. And look, I know, you say to me, Pastor, I don't like to hear this kind of message, what to do. Jesus' words were not my words. Huh? <laughs> Whether you like it or you don't like it, these are the words of the Lord. Four allusions. Every phase, every stage, two choices you make. Matthew 7, verse 13. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Matthew 7, 19, talking about the journey. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Away from me. I don't even understand what Jesus is talking about. But do we need to fully understand? If you and I only act on obey on what we understand, that's enough lah. And as we begin to do this, God will reveal the next step, ma. Lanka, demi, Lanka. You obey one step, the Lord will reveal the next step. Don't argue with me. Hey, pastor, you're good. You win, la. you win, la. you win. La. You win, la. you win. La. But as far as I'm concerned, the Word of God says this. That's all. Ultimately, God wins. Matthew 7, 27. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, came down, great crash. You decide. Build to last for eternity. Everybody say, Build to last for eternity. One more time, build to last for eternity. Now, I really don't know what it means for you. I'm going to close. Really, I'm going to close. You think through. I'm not asking you to go full-time. I'm not asking you to do things that God has not asked you to do. I'm asking you, in the light of Scripture, reassess where you stand today. How are you using your time? What concerns you? What matters to you? Two things last forever. Souls of men, word of God. Two things. Only two things last forever. You cannot even take a single cent with you and miss opportunities. 
You and I don't know how long more our lifespan will be. Don't waste your time chasing after shadows. Be wise. Bear good fruits and build on us. Be wise. Be wise. In all the opportunities that God has given to you, wherever you are, as a homemaker, as a student, as a businessman, as a professional, use it for God. Ask God, God, show me your will. I want to live my life to honour you, to love you for the rest of my remaining days on earth. Let me close. On the coast of Scotland, in a place called Angus, stands this lighthouse called the Bell Rock Lighthouse. It is the oldest surviving functional lighthouse in the world. Over 200 years, it's still functioning. Not only is it still functioning, but the very bricks that was used to build this lighthouse still stands after 200 years. No addition, no renovation. After 200 years, it's still standing, you know. All the storms buffeted it. It still stands. And the reason why it stands is considered one of the seven wonders of the industrial world today is because it's built on solid rock. It stands. I ask you, my friend, think. Think. Live your life for God. Will you ask God, God, show me how can I offer my days? And I want to believe that it's not mental, clever thinking. Huh? It's spiritual discernment, understand? You discern it by the revelation that God has given to your spirit man. If you don't see it, you don't see it. But if you see it, you have to obey. Because if you don't, you're not building to last. 